This is TLDR Podcast, where we talk sports, MLB, NHLs, NBAs, pop culture, and nobody understands Westworld, and more. Top 10 alcoholic beverages. With your hosts, Alex. Yeah, boy. Eric. Yo. James. The San Francisco 49ers, best team in the league. Traded. Right. Oh, the- sit down, bud. And Tyler. Oh, damn where we do the research and trash-talking for you. What kind of cockamamie bullshit is Adam Silver thinking? <laughs> they're playing super hot right now, and they're... It's and they're not finishing. Good. It's the middle of the season. Oh, I understand that, but I'm saying that they're, they're moving towards that. Welcome to TLDR Podcast, presented by Anchor. Hello and welcome to episode 64 of TLDR Podcast. We have Tyler back today, which is fantastic because he wasn't here last time. He's taking a he's taking a day off, doing a yeah. little a little rest day because he has a hectic schedule. Um, but we needed. have a pretty yeah, very needed. We have a really um, information heavy podcast for you today. It should be good. So for everybody who likes basketball and basketball <laughs> and hockey and a little bit of baseball and food, you'll like this episode too. Um, but before we get all into this. <laughs> Jane looks confused. I said yeah, you said twice. basketball twice. Yes, I did on purpose. <laughs> uh, I I'm unprepared for the second basketball thing. Oh, dude, this will be fun. This will be good. It's yeah. gonna be great. Great. <laughs> Before we confuse trading even more, there we're gonna check in with the guys, see what their week was like, their weekend was like. I know uh, Tyler and Alex spent a weekend in a cabin in a, in the woods. So how was that? Any oh, scary? It was, it was a silly goose time. It was great. Um, yeah, Alex, obviously, he invited us uh, to his cabin. Uh, I was the only one that showed up. So, you yeah, know, I'm clearly the best friend of this of this cast, podcast here, but it's all good. Um, but, yeah, uh, it was super fun. Drank, drank a lot, played a lot of games, laughed a lot. Uh, beautiful cabin up there. He's, he, he's got it, Lake Arrowhead. Uh, it was fantastic. Much needed little time away. It was like Brookback Mountain. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Alex, what say you? <laughs> uh, it was definitely a Brokeback Mountain situation. Yeah. Uh, Ashley and Jess were definitely not there and had nothing to do with that. Uh, either, either was our other friend, Matt. So it was just me and Tyler doing, doing mountain things. Um, Tyler Breaking does owe me though, uh, because he left all of Ollie's dog shit for me to clean up. Oh fuck! I did forget. Yep. Wow. (laughs) My bad, dude. You waited for this podcast to say that, didn't you? One hundred percent, I did. Yes, I did. (laughs) Damn it! It's really actually not that big of a deal. Like it was already in bag. It just had to be like taken away. Uh, Still, but it was it was fun because I got to meet Ollie for the first time, so that was cool. But uh, yeah, it was a it was a good trip. So you guys did a lot of drinking. So did me, Trayden, and Eric. This weekend we golfed, and then we did football Sunday training sales, which was fun. Really enjoyed that. Eric trading. What do you guys have to say about that? It was pretty good. It was a good weekend. Yeah. Um, I ate two burritos, two breakfast burritos that traded made. They were actually very good. Um, there was maple sausage in them, so that must be like the Canadian version. Um, but here, I have one thing to say. Remember how I was talking shit on ESPN fantasy football projections? 
Well, here's my chance to prove I was right. I, I was projected for 116 points and I scored 125. So fuck you, ESPN fantasy football. And I'm still losing to Alex by like 30 something right now. So it doesn't really matter, but I just wanted to say, fuck you, ESPN fantasy football. Um, I'm 0-1, but maybe I'll like you if I win next week. You probably won't. <laughs> Trey, you have a good weekend, man? Yeah, man. Um, golf's always fun with you guys. Uh, you guys had a hell of a round, by the way. Um, congrats on that. You guys played absolutely out of your, out of your minds. Um, as for Sunday, what a week one, guys. I mean, that was a good week one. Um, exciting games. Um, pretty clear that Matt Stafford's the real deal. Um, congratulations to Rams fans. That was pretty spectacular. And I didn't even see it until after. Um, <laughs> cause I was playing hockey, Same. <laughs> um, but I mean, it was a, it was a great day. Uh, James, you came back after charging your car to unknowingly that your team almost fucking gave up their 23 point lead <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, so that was fun. I mean, I looked back and you were very, you know, level-headed and it was a little weird, but it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. My sound went out about halfway through that, and I just came back to the very end of that. So I have no idea what you said, which is probably why I was also so calm this time around, too. So (laughs) (laughs) it's ironic how that stuff happens. It's crazy. (laughs) Wow. Anyway, guys, we're going to take a quick break to begin the segment. And um, when we get back, Train's going to talk hockey. Welcome back, everybody. Today, Trey is going to tell us about the Atlantic Division of the NHL. Last week, he did the Metropolitan Division. Kind of sounds like Neapolitan. Anyway, it went really, really well. So here he is again with another preview. Yes, sir. Thank you, James. Um, just like last week, we're doing rapid fire. We don't have a lot of time because there's a lot of teams to to get to go over. And I just want to hear you guys talk about these teams, to be honest with you. Um, so we're going to start in alphabetical order because, again, this is probably the division that had the most craziness in terms of how they were, um, you know, allocated. Um, so, you know, there were some teams that were in three different divisions between this division. It was kind of crazy. So uh, we're just going to get right into it with the Boston Bruins. Their, their record last year was 33, 16 and seven for 73 points. They were third in their East division. And then they lost four, two to the New York Islanders in the second round. Um, the Islanders went on to, to take the Tampa Bay, as, as I said last week, to uh, the last to the um, conference final. Um, significant gains um, in the offseason was uh, Linus Olmark, uh, Nick Felino, Nick Halla, Thomas Nosek, and Derek Forbort. Um, they, lost a, they lost David Krejci. I believe he went back to the Czech Republic. Um, they, he will be greatly missed by that team. Um, Nick Ritchie and uh, Jeremy Lawson. I'm not really familiar with that last name, to be honest with you guys. Um, this is a team to me, guys, that just continues to be a solid team always. Um, and James, why are they going to be that again? Because you just said it. They're always a solid team. It's, <laughs> it's in their blood, man. It's, it's the perfection line. Everything about Boston Bruins, they've always been a good team. They've always been decent. In recent memory, they've never been bad. And I mean, like, let's look at the people they've lost. They lost um, Krejci. That's going to be the biggest loss. They lost Nick Ritchie, who pretty much was ejected most of the time. Oh, never really played. He was a former Duck, so that's how you know he's not good. And you can't even pronounce this other guy's last name. So the fact <laughs> of the matter is, if you can't pronounce his last name and you're the hockey guy, like he probably wasn't that big of a deal in Boston. 
but they did add a bunch of people and they had they they had weaknesses and like everything but the first line and they fixed that or they tried to i mean nick feligno he's good i mean he's not the best point scorer but he is a good leader he used to be a captain with columbus he is good he's a good player he's a good head tap on that team thomas nosek was decent in vegas as well i think the biggest question mark for boston is goaltending because rask will be out until about december give or take and they're looking to a guy who be spit for the sabers to be the guy that's gonna save them until december and we'll see he had um anything on for like 20 games on five on five he had like a nine three five save percentage but then when it came to the power play or the power kill the penalty kill he didn't do so hot so that's something that the boss will have to figure out if omar will be that starting goaltender but if they can and if he stays hot like he has been I think they have a decent chance to stay afloat until Tuka Rask comes back. And when that happens, Boston is going to fly. It's Taylor Hall effect. Once he enters the building, man, it's a different different thing. Uh, I'm going to disagree on that last point, but let's move on. <laughs> um, Alex, you're not so sure. Uh, why yeah. are you not so sure about this team? Well, again, you, James, you kind of mentioned it. They have one really elite, elite line. And then who knows? Taylor Hall, as Traden has said on this podcast, is the most overrated possibly the most overrated player in hockey. Nick Foligno might be washed. He's pretty old at this point. Um, their defense, you know, other than Charlie McAvoy, doesn't give you like a whole bunch to be excited about. And then like you just said, the goalie situation. Tugarask, even if he comes back and with his injury, has had a very up and down last like three seasons. Like he can be elite and he can also be pretty terrible all at the same time. I mean, realistically, like this Boston team is going to be good enough and will make the playoffs. Um, but I just don't know if you can really, really consider them a cup contender right now. I just think they've continued to, you know, they have kind of like just stayed pat. I don't know if they've gotten any better. You know how we were talking last week, how teams are kind of moving laterally. That sort of feels like what the Boston Bruins are doing. And I don't really see them getting any better. I think there's a lot of other teams in the East that are better than the Boston Bruins. Yeah, James, I'm probably, I, I think I kind of saw it on you more on this one just simply because Boston is so, you know, so good always. Um, I guess, it, I guess I do. That does lend me to, to agree with Alex and that I think they're kind of flat, you know, I, you know, losing Krejci, I think is a big loss. He's, he's a, he's a big hole to lose in that second line. Taylor Hall. And, and I guess I feel a little bit like Eric because I have a grudge against Taylor Hall on, on a personal level. Um, I think <laughs> He was a legit cancer in a locker room that I, that I hold near and dear to my heart. And I do, and I have seen him, you know, I have seen him win the heart trophy and then drop off the face of the planet. Um, and I have called him an overrated player, but his arrival onto Boston admittedly was spectacular. And if he can continue that, they have their secondary scoring, um, you know, Craig Smith's there to also add um, secondary scoring. Nick Felino has the ability to um, be a, a, a help on the secondary side. So James, I think you're right in that. I, that I think they're going to be a very good team. I think that they're going to make the playoffs to both your guys's point, but I do question the goaltending and I do question just their ability to, to get it done. I, I, I just, the, the secondary scoring, while it can be there, I just don't know if it will be there when it re- really matters most. And we saw what happens, you know, when they lost to the New York Islanders, when you have the greatest, line in hockey right now i would say um so um that that's that's the only thing i have a uh, that's the only thing i have on this team but um 
you guys are right. These guys, this team's going to be good, but who who really knows how good? Um, but James seems to think that they're going to be another force. And if history is, repeats itself, he's he's actually going to be right. Um, Before moving on, fast. Yeah. Uh, cool question. Is the NHL not the premier hockey league of the world? Because why are people just dipping out? Like players who are good in this league in the NHL are just dipping out to play elsewhere in another country. Um, and the guy from Minnesota. It could be it could be a multitude of reasons. Uh, the guy in Minnesota is going back to Russia because maybe he's a Russian nationalist. I mean, I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna be straight up. I mean, um, or for the case of Nick Nick Krejci, or I'm sorry, uh, um, for Krejci, he he left his family to play here, and they haven't con- and they haven't been able to follow him. And I think it's a little bit of a personal you know thing for him to go back and and go back home. He's won a cup, might have won two. Um, and, you know, I think he's just ready to go back and finish his, finish his, you know, his career in, in, um, in the Czech Republic. Um, you know, some people just have that, you know, desire, right. Um, we don't, we can't really tell, I don't know if it's a mental health thing or, or what, but, um, I think that that's, I know from Krejci's standpoint, it sounds like it's more of a personal thing in terms of Kirill Kaprizov. I have no fucking clue. Um, I think it would be a detriment to him if he, um, ended up you know, not returning, but it could be that Montreal or uh, Minnesota doesn't want to pay him. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, moving on to the uh, Buffalo Sabres. And I guess in Kirill, Kirill Kaprizov, he would be the, the guy in Russia for sure, wherever he goes. Um, in turn, uh, the next team on the list is the Buffalo Sabres. Oh God, here we go. Uh, their 2020, 2021 record was 15, 34 and seven for 37 points. Eighth in the division, obviously they did not make the playoffs. And this team had so many question marks, um, significant gains. They got Vinny Henestroza, Robert Hag, Bill Butcher, and Craig Anderson. Um, I don't know why you pick up Craig Anderson, but you picked up Craig Anderson. Significant losses uh, include Sam Reinhart, uh, Linus Olmark, Rasmus Ristolainen, and Jake Maccabee. <sighs> good luck, Eric. Why is this team going to be good? <laughs> um. I'm going to start off by saying I got the Alex scenario this week um, where I was last to respond <laughs> for, uh, for this group. Um, but yeah, Oh boy, there's nothing I could really say except uh, anything can go better than last year trading. Um, I think with this team, but they got a new coach. Uh, they got rid of some guys who were eating up, I guess you call it cap space, even though no one wants to be there. But they still do currently have Eichel. Um, who knows when he'll be gone? It could be in tomorrow. Um, it could be midseason. Um, obviously, there's a bunch of you know media speculation, and everyone's waiting to see what happens there. And uh, he should be going to the LA Kings. We'll see. Um, we got still got a little time left here, but uh, yeah, you know, it's he's in disagreement with uh, the staff over there, and they have this whole big scenario, but. Who knows? It's kind of something I said in the past. Maybe if he leaves, um, maybe he's not the leader for them. You know, um, it could be a guy like Middlestat who should step up, who could step up and who will step up for them. Um, and as well as Darlene, these two, these two young guys, they have um, have the chance to step up and kind of create the new culture there. Um, and then you look at their goalies, they got, uh, Craig Anderson. He's just an old veteran, but he could potentially develop and teach their younger goalies. Um, 
you know, you would hope, because this is definitely a development year for them. They got Aaron Dell, once a San Jose backup. So, you know, he's out of San Jose. Maybe he'll do better. Um, and let's see if they can develop a goaltender in the future. Maybe these guys, Aaron Dell and Craig Anderson, can help um, do that. But that's pretty much all I got on them. James, is there any saving grace here? No, not at all. <laughs> Uh, I think the best case scenario here is Jack Eichel gets traded and they get a bunch of picks and promising players because him staying on that team is good for nobody except for me. It's great for me. It's making me 80 bucks right now, which is fantastic because if you think of trading. Um, but honestly, man, like this is a lost season for the Sabres yet again. They've, they're not going to win anything. Their best player is Eichel who doesn't want to be there. He's pretty, he's cancerous to the locker room at this point. And their other best players are gone. Like you had mentioned, Sam Reinhart, Rasmus Ristolainen, they're gone. They were pretty much the guys who were supposed to be leading this charge. They're, they're gone. So what are you going to do? You replenish him with Craig Anderson. I mean, he has a great story. His wife has a great story. He sounds like a great dude, but he's not it for you guys. He's not going to help you guys win. There's, they're not even trying to win at this point at all. They're just rebuilding. No hope in Buffalo. Yeah. Um, I mean, they have a new coach, which is intriguing. Um, to be honest, I, I have followed this Jack Eichel's story quite closely. Um, and I highly recommend listening to a, a podcast segment that actually discussed um, Jack Eichel's case with a doctor who um, gave his two cents on the situation. And I am pro, I am on team Jack Eichel, guys. Um, the, the, the Buffalo Sabres are, are not, are not being fair to this guy. Um, and I mean, it's, it's, I'm not going to say that he's that Jack Eichel has is as a no fault, but the, the Buffalo Sabres are being very myopic this, um, you know, about this. And, and it's sad because I think Jack Eichel would thrive on any team um, selecting Owen power first overall could, could get them to kind of start rolling. Hopefully um, Rasmus Dahlin really needs to turn it around. Um, Casey Middlestat, uh, he had, he had a, he had a step forward, but I, I just, I just don't know if they're going to be able to compete in this very, very strong division. Um, this, this is going to be a, a one of, this is probably the closest uh, or at least strongest division in hockey. And it's going to be tough, especially when you have Anderson, Aaron Dell, Dustin Tokarski and, or Echo Pekka Lukanen. Like I don't even know two of those guys. I've never even heard of their fucking names. So goaltending is a huge question mark. Uh, I do have a question for the LA Kings fans here. Um, Eric said that, you know, you'd love to see Jack Eichel join the LA Kings. That would at, at the very least cost you, um, uh, what's his name? Forget, uh, forgive me for, uh, Byfield. Um, Byfield. It would at the very least take Quinton Byfield to make that trade. Are you guys even contemplating that? Uh, well, from what I've heard so far, uh, he's not as, he's a little soft. This is what I've heard really about him. Yeah. Um, he's a big NBA guy too. So maybe those two things correlate, who knows? <laughs> but, um, I think this is the year for him to like, they're going to give him a lot more uh, time this year. They're going to give him more games in the NHL. I guess we'll, we'll see. And he's going to have to prove it that way. And I think, you know, this could create a short leash for him. If, if the availability of Jack Eichel is there, who knows? I don't really know what to think. I guess I don't know that much about him, but that's all I've heard about him. Tyler or Alex, do you have anything to opine or? It's, it's hard to say. I think for me, obviously we saw a little bit of him last year. Didn't particularly wow anybody, wow. 
but again, it was his first year in pro hockey. So, um, I mean, we'll kind of see how he goes. Obviously, Eichel was a much more well-established NHL star. So then that, I think that elevates the Kings right now pretty high. But then are you risking our future for one guy? I feel like the Kings are very much – they want to have a full team and a full system of guys. So I just don't think that's something the Kings would do, especially not right now. I think it's too early to make some like a big trade like that. Alex, anything else? I mean, I think you could with realistically with how much depth the Kings system has and with how little depth the entire Buffalo Sabres organization has, you could probably give them more lower level prospects and picks and still keep Byfield and get Eichel. And if he's healthy, I'd want Eichel. I mean, you never know. Like Eichel is a proven commodity. He is an elite player in this league. Byfield, great. Number two overall pick that doesn't mean shit. Like he could, he could be bad. There's no reason that he'll succeed just because he was picked that high. So I'm a big fan of like, if you think you can go get someone that will fit into your system and you don't have to mortgage your entire future to do it, go for it. I mean, look at what the Dodgers did with Max Scherzer and Trey Turner and that's working out fucking great for him. So like yes. you got to go at some point, you got to go for it. The Kings have been loading up on prospects for years now because they've been so bad either let those guys play or go big and go get Jack Eichel. Very true. Um, last question uh, regarding Jack Eichel. James, are you giving up uh, Trevor Zegris at all for Jack Eichel? Oh, 100%. Yeah. E- easy answer. Right? Yeah. <laughs> easy. E- easy answer. <laughs> you, you passed the test. Uh, moving <laughs> on to the, Det- uh, to the Detroit Red Wings. Um, their last season, they went 19, 27, and 10. For, with for 48 points seventh in the central division they did not make the playoffs but guys they were last in the league prior to that and they made seventh in the division which i think is the last in that division but i know they weren't last in the entire uh nhl um actually i think there was eight but anyway um significant gains they gained alex nadelkovich very surprisingly um pious Suter, nick and nick letty uh they did lose valtteri filpula um i think that's the last guy of that um you know that old squad this team is very young, um, but, you know, they do have Steve Eiserman as their GM, who is will go down as w- one of hockey's greatest captains. Um, Tyler, why is this team going to be better this season even? You know, I think the Red Wings are finally starting to get to a point where it's not time to ask how bad this team is going to be, but how good are they going to be? This team has been rebuilding for a very, very long time. Uh, they got a young core that's been, that's been, you know, in that system for a while. I think they draft very well. I think they got a lot of good young prospects coming up through their system. Um, added a few veteran pieces. Um, I think they're definitely better than they were last year. Um, are they going to make the playoffs? Are they contenders? Absolutely not. Um, I think, though, at some point in the season, they might flirt with a playoff spot. I think they might be in that spot. And you might be like, hey, Red Wings are here. But I don't think eventually they will end up making the playoffs. But I do think that they're going to be a lot better this season. And they're going to make step forward. I don't think that they're going to go back down anymore. I think the rebuild is going to really start to show itself this season. Wow. Even if with, with them flirting for a playoff spot, that would suggest that that would suggest that this division is actually even tighter than even I thought, or the other division is shitty as hell because there's, you know, there's going to be two wildcard spots. Um, that's quite interesting. Um, Alex, why is Tyler foolish hot shit? Well, he's full of hot shit for not picking up his dog poop. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, look, if the Buffalo Sabres were not in this division, the Red Wings would be ticketed for a last last place finish. But luckily for the Detroit Red Wings, the Sabres are technically still an NHL franchise. So 
Um, you don't have to worry about that too much. But look, I mean, Tyler's pretty much right on all of it. Like they're a very young team. Um, you know, they've got a long way to go. You know, Dylan Larkin is still a very is a good, very good player. Um, you know, Sam Gagne, Jake Verona, like they've got decent pieces. They're just not a contending team yet. Um, you know, they'll pro- I think they're going to end up in the seventh seventh spot again. I don't think they're going to come even close to flirting with the playoff spot. Just like you said, trading the East is just too competitive with too many really, really good elite teams at the top. And then those other kind of middling teams fighting for those wild card spots. I just don't think the Red Wings are there yet, um, but they are, they're on their way. And, you know, obviously Steve Eisenman kind of knows what he's doing um, generally with playing hockey. So trust him and, you know, Detroit, hopefully you'll get back there in a couple more years, but I don't think you're quite there yet. I, I'm going to, I'm going to probably side with them, not, not flirting with a playoff spot, but they are going to make a step forward. Um, I know that's probably an easy, an easy answer. And it's kind of a boring answer. Um, I think the, the pickup by Alex Nadelkovich is the most intriguing. Um, that's a huge, that's a huge addition to bring on your goal, your goaltending squad at a younger age, you're going to be able to really fi- shape him and, and build a team around him. You got a young core in Dylan Larkin, Todd, Bertu- uh, I'm sorry, Todd Bertuzzi, Tyler Bertuzzi and Jacob Vrana. Uh, Verana, that's going to be our top line probably. You got Philip Sedina, um, Robbie Fabry. You got a, you got a solid um, secondary line too. Offensively, you they need to figure it out. I think I think offensively they they were thirtieth in overall goals and thirtieth on the power play. They really need to figure that out. But once they do figure that out, I think that they could at least play sub, uh, uh, you know, mediocre defense and be enough to, to, you know, step in the right direction. Nick Letty on the back end is going to be a, a nice veteran presence back there. I like this team. I like this team um, relative to how I liked him a couple years ago. And I think that they, they have a, you know, they, I don't think they're going to be at the bottom feeders for too much longer. Um, it was only yesterday. It felt like that they were, you know, they had a playoffs um, run as old as myself. So um that I know that those years are behind us, but um, you know, I, it, it felt like it was recent. So moving on to the next team is the Florida Panthers. Uh, last season, they went 37, 14 and five for 79 points. They finished second in the central division and lost four to two to the Tampa Bay lightning in the first round of the Florida playoff series. That was a hell of a hell of a series. Um, or at least it was to start <laughs> significant gains include Sam Reinhart really, that's it. Um, they lost Alexander Wenberg, Keith Yandel, and Chris Drieger. Uh, Chris Drieger, I believe, went to uh, Seattle. Um, I'm going to start right off the top. Alex, why are they going to be good this year, Florida Panthers? Look, the Florida Panthers are a very complete team. Um, losing Ekblad to that injury last year hurt them so much, especially in that Tampa series. I mean, with the firepower that Tampa Bay has, you want your best defender former number like two or three overall pick or whatever, number one, whatever. He was up there. Um, but yeah, Sam Reinhart, Barkov, Bennett, Hornquist, Huberto, Joe Thornton, the man, the myth, the legend going to Florida. You know, this team should be very good. Uh, Traden's favorite goaltender in the whole world though is still there. And that's part of the problem. Um, and it's part like really the only, one of the only reasons that they might not be as successful, but it would not surprise me if the Florida Panthers were in the, you know, at the end of the season, had the number one spot in this division. I think they're a very complete team. Um, you know, if Bobrovsky can even slightly be better than what he has been pretty much since he joined the Florida Panthers, this team can be, they're a cup contender. There's no doubt about it. 
unfortunately, they still have to get through their, you know, rivals in that same state of Florida. So that's that's kind of their one that one big issue. But this Florida Panthers team is really, really good. Tyler, now it's your turn. Why is uh, Alex full of hot shit? Yeah, well, as you mentioned, that other Florida team, you know, I they are so close, I think, to matching up to them, but they just they just aren't. Um, I think it's one of those I – I know you guys mentioned last week on the podcast about, you know, kind of the Hurricanes being this team that's been so good, but kind of taking that next step into true contention. I think the Panthers are kind of in a similar boat the last two or three seasons have been pretty solid and have been right there in the playoff mix. Um, but within this division, you know, you're, you, you got a lot of, the division that they're in this year is going to be a lot tougher. Um, we'll see if they can survive that through a course of a whole season. Um, like I said, I think the Panthers will be a very good team, Alex, as you said, um, but I don't think that they're best team in this division. Um, they might not even be the, the, the second best team, um, but they will be, but they will make, they will make the playoffs. It's just, it's just a matter of how far they can go. And I don't really see them as a, you know, a top heavy favorite for a Stanley cup at this point. Uh, this team's very interesting guys. Um, losing Keith Yandel, lo- using that kind losing that kind of a uh, veteranship in a guy that everybody loves is going to be tough. I think, um, it, I mean, get, get, adding Sam Reinhart is, it is whatever. Um, you know, Joe Thornton is, 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 I guess a veteran presence, um, you know, that, that would kind of get, bring something of Keith Yandel, but I think Keith Yandel right now is just a, has, you know, he's younger. So he has a little bit more uh, to give. Um, the goaltending is my biggest question mark and it always will be with this team. Uh, goalie Bob is just a huge fucking question mark. And you lost your backup in, in Dreger, who was actually very solid. Um, your, your, you know, your, your team finished seventh with a nine, uh, 91 save percentage. Um, and that was mostly because of Chris Dreger. Um, Spencer Knight, I don't know if he's going to be able to pick up that, that, um, top spot. He's going to, he hopefully is going to be a good, um, a good backup, but the kid's 20 years old. I mean, you know, we've seen what younger goaltenders can be like in this league and it's not always great. He's going to be the player to watch this season. Um, I think this team is actually going to struggle. This team could struggle to make the playoffs or at least, or at least not, at least uh, not in their division. They're going to be vying for a wild card spot Um, because I, you know, in in this order, I believe you will see Tampa Bay, um, Boston and Toronto making that, that, that was top three teams. And then, you know, the, the wild card spots are going to be a battle on the, on at the metropolitan side too. So Florida is not a shoe in. Um, So this is going to be tough. I think Um, they're going to, they're going to have to find a way to, to continue their strong offensive um, prowess and, bringing back Aaron Eckblad is going to be huge, but, um, you know, I, I do have question marks. Um, so hopefully they can turn around and prove me wrong. Uh, moving on to James favorite or second favorite team, the Montreal Canadians, uh, tw- their last season, they went 24, 21 and 11 for 59 points. It felt like 22 of those wins happened in the first two weeks. Um, cause the rest of the shit was downhill. It felt like, uh, they finished fourth in the North divisions, narrowly making the playoffs and they lost uh four to one to the Tampa Bay lightning in the Stanley cup final. What a playoff run that they had. They gained in the off season, they gained Mike Hoffman, Cedric Paquette and David Savard significant losses included Philip Deneau, Corey Perry, Shea Weber, and um, Jesperi Kakenyemi. Wow. Uh, James, why are the Habs going to be good this year? I think they had a huge, um, they place a lot of importance and priority on offense this year, because like you'd mentioned at the beginning of the season, they had 
what seems like 22 wins because their offense is firing on, on all cylinders. They had the highest, highest goal differential for the first two weeks of the season, and then all of a sudden it's gone. And nobody knows where that went. So this offseason, they got Mike Hoffman. We had 36 points last season. They traded for center Christian Dvorak from the Coyotes. So another sorry franchise, but he had 31 points last season. And, I mean, uh, Philip Deneau is now with the Kings, I believe. But he didn't do very much offensively for the Canadiens team. It took him a very long time to get his first goal of the season. And, I mean, like, he's good leadership, but he wasn't a scorer. And that's something that the Canadians needed now and ASAP. Because you're, you're still going to rely heavily on Jake Allen and Carey Price. That, that was going to be your two backstops. That's what they're going to do. They're going to keep the puck out of the goal. But on the flip side, that team needs to score in order for all the hard work that they're putting in to yield something. And so they did that. And on top of that, you lose Corey Perry. Oh, well, whatever. He's old anyway. Uh, it's going to be another year, another year for and maturation for Cole Caulfield. He was electric last season, especially in the playoffs. And I can I I see him just getting better and better each and every year. One more year in the league, a full offseason to train, the grinds and the rigors of a full NHL season, one year down his belt, he's gonna be better. The biggest thing that I that really hurts the Canadians though is Shea Weber being out. He's technically still on the team, but he's on injured reserve. And there's been a lot of talk of him never ever coming back to play because of his injuries, which is tough because he's the heart and soul of that team. With him gone, that's that's a huge void to fill. But on, top, on the flip side of that, the Canadians went through a lot last season. They went through the ups and the downs, and they ended up in the Sandy Cup final. That builds a lot of chemistry. So let's see if this team can power through that once again. Yes. Um, uh, Tyler, you're not so sure? No. I mean, the Canadians made the playoffs barely last year in a division that's much weaker than they are now. I don't think the offseason moves they made made them any better. Um, if anything, they probably got a little bit worse. Um, I think they lost a few key guys. You could argue that some of their young core guys, as mentioned, James might offset that with their development. Either way, I definitely don't think that they're better than they were last year. Um, and then, and, the, and they're going back to the Atlantic, which is a probably, as trade mentioned earlier, probably the best well-rounded division in hockey. I just don't think the Canadians have a chance of making the playoffs in this division right now. Um, and, and it's unfortunate because they mean, I mean, you went to the uh, cup final last year. It was a magical run. Um, I think it was just kind of everything was clicking at the right time for those guys. I think going for a course of a whole season in this division, it's not going to be a very uh, happy season in Montreal. Sorry, James, I have to agree with Tyler on this one. Um, and the reason being is, you know, Carey Price had had a spectacular season, um, but he has been he has been up and down. I'm not really worried about that. Um, the whole Jesperi Kakaniemi, the this is the first time that at least in a in a while that a uh, an, a restricted free agent got offer sheeted, and it went through. That that never happens. It was actually, I think it was more of a petty move. Uh, it was kind of a petty like get get back at you move by the, the by the Carolina Hurricanes uh, when they had when they when the Habs did it to Sebastian Ajo. Carolina actually ended up um, matching the offer sheet. So nothing happened of it, but the Habs did not. Um, and the Habs had an opportunity to just actually trade Kotkaniemi and get something else um, out of him, but they did get a first round and a third round pick out of it. So they got something um, losing. Lo I mean, losing Shea Weber is fucking huge. Um, Jeff Petrie. It's every, it's all going to be about Jeff Petrie. Um, you're right, James, the offense took a dive 
And you no, know, Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, Tyler Toffoli, they are the backbone of the offense, but who knows what we're going to get out of Nick Suzuki. He's a great two-way player. He just sometimes kind of, you know, loses his, loses that shot. And uh, while I do believe James, that the biggest loss is going to be Shea Weber, the biggest loss is being in this division. Um, that is go- like what, what I said this last season, that this, that last season was the best opportunity for the Habs to take advantage of getting into the playoffs and going far. And they took advantage of it. It's not going to be so easy anymore. They have way too hard of, of opponents in front of them and it's going to be a, a, a huge fight. And I really, you know, I hope that they take this opportunity to, to grow and become a team that is, you know, competitive, but it sucks when you're in this division because no matter how good you are, there's, there's so many teams that are good, that are better ahead of you. So um, quite the interesting um, story with them. I do congratulate them on making the finals, but I just don't know if they're going to make it this year. I, I hope I'm wrong. I would love to see that uh, that team, you know, upset someone like um, the Boston Bruins. I'd absolutely love that, but I just don't see it right now. Um, moving on to the Ottawa Senators. Last season, they went 23, 28 and five for 51 points. Contrary to uh, the Montreal Canadiens, they're, I feel like 22 of their 23 wins happened in the last two weeks of the season. Wow. They had a lot, they had a um, huge uh, end there. They finished sixth in the North division. They did not make the playoffs. They gained Nick Holden and lost Evgeny did um, dad on uh, There's not really much that really happened here. Um, but Eric, why is this team going to be good this year? There's nothing I could really say, except anything can go better than last year. Just like the Sabres um, again, last to respond to this message. Um, so I got the senators also, but they got your boy Pierre Maguire in the front office. Um, oh, yeah. That dude knows everything about every young junior player, their habits, tendencies, what time they go to sleep at night. Um, it's kind of creepy actually, <laughs> you know, anytime he's in, it was announced in a game, he knows everything about Crosby and McDavid, all these dudes where they grew up their tendencies. So that actually could help the senators maybe developing their young squad. Um, you know, I hate this guy, but Brady Kachuk is actually a leader on their team. Um, I think he could kind of develop a system there. Um, they kind of have a chip on their shoulder when they play, they get definitely got more going for them than, than the Sabres do, but they got Timmy Stutzel, um, uh, a guy who's on his way to becoming a star in this league. Um, I could tell Traden doesn't agree with me right there, but he's going to be just like dry because he's from Germany. Um, but they have, I like their defenseman, Thomas Shabbat as well. Uh, he's actually a pretty good defenseman. Definitely their top D man. Um, you know, you just look at the goalies. They got Matt Murray, who we've talked about a lot on this podcast. Um, he's got to step up for them if they want to if they want to have any chance next year of, of doing somewhat successful uh forsberg is their other goalie i think both could, can show that they could uh tag team through a successful season goaltending wise um it's got it's going to be their defense is really what needs to pick up so hopefully shabbat can lead lead the race with that um but you know anything can go better than last year james you're not so sure about this team. Yeah, I don't know if anything can be better than last year because they lost a lot of leadership and a lot of older people, like people who have been in the NHL for a long period of time. They were a young team last year, and they're even younger this year. So where is this leadership going to come from? Is it going to be Tuchuk? 
in his, what, third year in the league, it's going to be tough to get somebody who is relatively young to be a leader on the squad. And that's fact of the matter. Craig Anderson was there last year. And I mean, like he was, he was a leader. He's been there for a long time. Right now you're kind of relying on Matt Murray. And that's the biggest, like the offense for the Senators, the first two lines, really not bad. But what it really gets them is that defense and that goaltending. And other than Shabbat, there's no nobody really on the defensive end that can help you out. And goaltending-wise, Matt Murray's on pace to be just like goalie Bob. The dude got paid, and he's not showing out for that paycheck. I think he had under 900 save percentage last season. That's not good. And I get that he's dealing with injuries and mental health and stuff. But, man, like, at some point, you got to own up to what you can and cannot do. And if you can't handle the full workload of an NFL NHL season, then say it. Don't keep making your team go through these rough patches because you can't perform to the level that you were paid to do that. At this point, man, they really got they have to outscore teams because their defense and their goaltending isn't going to do it for them. Yeah, so I I actually agree with you, James, on the back end um, and to an extent the defense the defense. Um, this team does have major question marks, but I think this is a sneaky good team uh, or a sneaky imp, uh, team that will improve. Um, I, I, you know, I, I look at the team like Detroit, very similar situation. Uh, Matt Murray and Philip Gustafson give me no, give me no, uh, um, faith back there. Um, and their offense, while it was middle of the pack, it, it's just not good enough, but, um, Tim Stutzla, Eric, he, I'm, I'm not going to say he's going to be the next dry saddle, but he is going to be a hell of a player. Um, and he already has been a hell of a player. Brady Kachuk, um, of the two Kachuk brothers, I like him a lot more. Uh, mostly because I don't play against him three, four, five times, five times a year. Um, Thomas Shabbat is showing that he's a huge part of this defensive group. And he's going to, uh, to your point, James, I think he, he's the closest thing to a veteran presence that has the skill level and the ability to, to lead, but he's still very young. This team is very, very young. Um, and I think that they have a lot of opportunity to, to grow. Um, and I think they're going to turn some heads. They already, they did turn some heads on the, at the end of that season last year. And um, I would love to see them do that again maybe play spoilers to some of those teams that we hate on that uh, in the Eastern conference. Um, it will be very interesting how to see how that team goes. Um, rounding out the last two teams, none other than the Stanley cup champs themselves, back-to-back winners, the Tampa Bay lightning. They, last season, they went 36, 17 and three for 75 points. They finished third in their division. Didn't fucking matter. They won the 2021 Stanley cup for the second time in a row. Significant gains. I guess if you can't beat them, join them. Corey Perry joins after after getting beat twice by them in two di- on two different teams, mind you. Um, Pierre Edward uh, Belmar joined. Zach Bogosian joined, and so did Brian Elliott. Significant losses. Wow, what a loss! Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman, Barkley Goudreau, David Savard, and Tyler Johnson. Wow. Um, who? I mean, I guess we kind of expected this to happen. Uh, Tyler, why is Tampa Bay still going to be good? Look. They've won back-to-back cups, and they still have their top six forwards, their top four defensemen, and one of the best, if not the best, goalie in hockey back on their squad. You know, you ke- when you keep that championship core together like that, you're going to win a lot of hockey games. And as far as I see it, they're Stanley Cup favorites, again, going in, in, into the season. Yeah, they lost some of their depth a little bit, but on their last, you know, last couple lines, they'll figure out how to make that happen. Um, I'm, I'm really not too concerned on the back end there. Um, this, this Tampa Bay team, it's just incredible. And you bring your, bring them back, everybody, all their stars, all the core, they're going to be the Stanley cup favorites going into the season. 
before you go, before you go to that real fast and whoever's going get some, I just have something to say. Um, Tyler, what did you say about the Buccaneers a couple weeks ago? And how they were bringing everybody back, so that's now a detriment to them? Difference here is that the Buccaneers haven't won back-to-back Super Bowls. The Lightning have proven that the league doesn't know how to adjust to them because they've won it back-to-back seasons. So that's why I would say that. Touche. Okay. Um, Eric, you're really not convinced about this team, are you? Or is it just this, is this just because you were the last to pick teams again? Um, here's the thing. Three things that I just realized. One, they got rid of all the grinders that kind of helped them get, get to that point. They lost your guy, Yanni Gord. So now I already know you agree with me because I said that. Second, they got Corey Perry. He was He's lost two cup finals in a row. <laughs> so there's no way he's winning in this third chance. And he's actually lost three cups before because he lost one time with the Ducks. He won one time with the Ducks, but then he lost these two in a row with the, with the Stars and the, and the Habs. Third thing is they're not going to win three in a row. They're just not going to do it. The Red Wings did it. The Islanders did it once. The Oilers, I believe, did it. Uh, they're not going to do it, and that's all I got to say. Um, how do I begin with this team? Um, this team is so good. Um, however, <laughs> I don't know that they're going to be as good. Uh, and losing Yanni Gord, who is one of the best third-line centers in the game, he's probably – on most teams, a second or in some cases, a first line center on any other fucking team. Um, so the fact that he went to Seattle, like Seattle's like now my third favorite team now. I'm just joking. Um, Blake Coleman's a huge, uh, a huge addition. Barkley Goodrow is, or I'm sorry, is a huge loss. Barkley Goodrow is a huge loss. Tyler Johnson is another huge loss. Like they lost so many of, of what you said, Eric, of, of what created their identity and that nasty team. And I, I just worry if they're going to be able to fill that. Yeah, they have Corey Perry, but is it enough? Um, Zach Bogosian is, does have that, that, um, you know, grit, but I just hope that they could find the type of, you know, production that Yanni Gord provided, um, uh, both on both sides of the puck. You have Vasilevsky, you have the best goaltender in the game. You have, uh, the best, um, uh, defenseman in the game. You have Nikita Kucherov, who's one of the best forwards in the game. Like you, you have such a great team. It's just, uh, is there depth enough to get them to the, to a third Stanley cup? That's a lot of hockey they've played. I just don't know if they're going to be able to do it again, just simply because it's so statistically, you know, low that it's going to happen. Um, everyone's going to be watching this team. Um, it would be amazing if they did it, but I just don't see it happening in the, um, in the Stallion Cup era. I just, I really don't. Um, but moving on to the last team so that we can move on to other sports. The Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, 2020-2021 season, they went 35-14-7 for 77 points. They got first in the division handedly, but they lost 4-3 to to the Montreal Canadiens in a reverse, reverse sweep fashion, if I'm not mistaken. Or it was 3-1, to one, sorry. Um, yeah, LOL. Fuck you, Maple Leafs. Uh, significant gains, <laughs> Nick Rich include Nick Ritchie. Um, James, you're familiar with him. Michael Bunting, Andre Kasha. James, you're familiar with him. And then Peter Mrazek. Uh, significant losses include Zach Hyman. He's now an oiler. Uh, Zach Bogosian, who we just said is back at Tampa Bay. And Joe Thornton, who we just said was in Florida. Um, Alex, you like this? Do you think this team's going to be good? The Toronto Maple Leafs are on revenge tour. Okay. They got embarrassed in the playoffs. 
But you also have to remember that they had to see their captain and their probably best all-around player get absolutely destroyed in a horrific, unintentional injury that really did set them back in the playoffs. When you lose your captain and your best, either best or second best player, that's pretty brutal. Look, this team is still very good. They still have a lot of depth, both in the in scoring and defense. They need some guys to step up. Mitch Marner was an absolute disappointment in the playoffs. If and same, honestly, kind of same with Austin Matthews. If those guys don't step up, it could be an absolute nightmare for this Toronto team, who do have expectations. Um, you know, Peter Mrazek, I think, is a really huge pickup for them. He is a he is a good goalie. He's not, you know, Hellebuck or Vasilevsky or somebody, but he is a he is a very solid goalie and I think he should help with that team um you know Morgan Riley Jake Muzzin like that defense is still good I think they're easily a playoff team and they should be you know generally hopefully for Toronto fans and uh, maybe not hopefully for Traden's psyche or whatever but they should be a Stanley Cup contender they have the they have the skills and they have the players to do it they just I don't know what it is I don't know if there's a curse in Toronto with the Maple Leafs Something's wrong, but this actually does kind of feel like the last, the last kind of stab with this group. Even though Tavares is signed long term, um, you know, this kind of feels like the last one, and, and they could blow it up. But they they should still should be a very good team. Um, again, the problem is they have to go through that Tampa team in Boston. Yeah, will they win a a fucking playoff series? I'm gonna say yes. Wow. I'm okay. I'm not I'm not all that confident about it. <laughs> but like I don't hate Toronto as much as you do. Being a Kings fan, like they're very far away. I don't give a shit. I saw that I you know, I've I've seen them play once and they lost the Kings. Tal and I went to a game. It was great. Weirdest game ever. But uh I think they're they should have won that last series. They're obviously a better team than Canadians. I think they'll get one. I don't know if they'll get past the second round, though. All right, Eric, commence the shitting on the Maple Leafs. Yeah, I mean, we know we know how this team is. They will have a good season, but then they they're a shit the bed team come playoffs. Um, you know, there's nothing that's proven to me that they won't do it again. Um, so I think this is Matthew's last kick at the can before he gets sick of being there and wants out. This may seem like a dumb statement, but Freddie Anderson was kind of a key piece for them. He always, you know, showed up when they needed him. He never really got the support. He always took the, took the blame by all the fan base. He was once um, in a game seven with the Anaheim Ducks, one went away from the Stanley Cup final. Uh, fuck the Chicago Blackhawks. James, you can agree with me there. Um, but, you know, Freddie Anderson was a top goalie in the league, and now he's out. Um, and, you know, they're relying on – who I don't remember who the fuck they got. Um, Nijelkovic? Um, no, they didn't oh, get Nijelkovic. Uh, they got Mrazic or something. I don't know, whoever the fuck they got. Yeah. They got rid of their top goaltender who kind of, you know, kept them alive. But the last thing I'll say – they're kind of like the Clippers of hockey. They're the Clippers are my boys, but you know, like until they make, until this team makes it deeper in the playoffs, I'm not going to put any hope in them. And that's how I was with the Clippers until this year. But you know, it's just like 
Alex kind of laid it out. You know, it's like every year they have a really good team. They have a good season and then something happens to them in the playoffs could be a curse, whatever it is. But until that changes, I'm not going to believe that they're going to be successful. This team's going to win a playoff series. Um, <laughs> this team will win a playoff series this season. Um, it, it's just destined to happen. Um, something's got to give. Mitch Marner may be the Ben Simmons of the NHL. Um, like <laughs> that's actually <crazy. laughs> he may be the he may be the Ben Simmons. He's a spectacular. He's a spectacular hockey player, but for some reason, it, when it matters most, he looks absolute garbage. He has like a mental thing, just like Ben Simmons. Um, it's kind of weird. Um, Jack Campbell will start uh, start between the pipes. Um, he is very good, but I agree with you, Eric. I think it, I think giving up on. Um, uh, on Freddie Anderson was was quite sad. Uh, this team's going to be good. They lost Zach Hyman, but uh, you know they they got the grit that they needed in Nick Ritchie. Um, Andre Kasha brings a little bit of uh, grit there. Um, I I just hope that the no, I don't hope, but I guess fans hope that the leaders on the team, the star guys, the star kids, can pull their heads out of their asses. That's so far up there that you know it's it's disgusting and actually win a playoff series because this team has so much talent. They just can't put it together. Um, but they will make the playoffs. My guess is they, they will win a playoff series. Um, but to your point, Alex, I don't know if they'll go any further than that. That is the Atlantic division. Next week we go to the central before finally rounding out at the Pacific division. So James, that's all, you know, Faden, another fantastic segment. Once again, a lot of information, but it's also really good to know all all this stuff. Uh, we're going to take another quick break, but when we return, Alex is back to basketball. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for tuning back in or staying with the podcast. Alex is going to talk basketball and he's going to introduce a new segment. This season, it's going to be the NBA division slash conference previews. But he's breaking up to do two different parts. So this is the first half, a.k.a. the shit teams. Alex, it's all you. James, you did a great job describing that. Uh, but I was telling the boys, like, off air, I mean, with basketball, like, they are all technically, there are three divisions in each conference, but they don't really matter other than just, like, who you play the most often. It has nothing to do with seeding in the playoffs or anything. So I'm just going to ignore them, and we're just going to do it by conference. So we're starting in the East. And we're going to start with the bottom seven teams, you know, before this play-in round, whatever we did last year. You know, these seven teams typically would not have made the playoffs because it's top eight in the East that typically make it. Um, I asked the boys to try to pick two, and one of them would do one because that's how math works. Uh, James is the only one that listens. So uh, I'm going to talk about two teams because uh, boys can't read. So uh, – Starting with the Detroit Pistons. They finished 15th in the East with the 20 and 52 record. They got the number one overall pick in Cade Cunningham. It's the Cade Cunningham show. That's it. The Detroit Pistons are a boring team. We've talked about that. We talked about it last week. Um, you know, this is – they're starting all over. Blake Griffin's gone. Andre Drummond's gone. Wayne, even Wayne Ellington's gone. Like, none of these guys that used to be on the Detroit Pistons while they were trying to be good are here anymore. It is Cade Cunningham. They're not going to be a great team, but he will be at least exciting to watch to see how the number one overall pick, you know, blossoms into this league. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just going to go through these really quick because I'd rather hear the guys talk. So, and then finishing uh, in 14th, the Orlando Magic, 
21 and 51. Uh, they blew it up last year. Aaron Gordon's gone. Vucevic gone. Pornier's gone. But they did draft Jalen Suggs, who fell to them at number five in the draft. Markel Fultz should be back healthy. Um, same thing kind of with the Pistons down there in Florida. The Magic are not going to be that great this year. They're, re- they're rebuilding. They're restarting. I don't expect either of those two teams to make the playoffs. But they do have some interesting guys, um, you know, and they'll they'll be fun to watch at least, at least some of their players. Um, but I don't expect them to have, like, the best seasons in the world. Um, okay. We'll get through those real quick just because they're boring and I don't want to talk about it anyway. <laughs> uh, finishing 13th in the East with a 22-50 and 50 record, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, they had the third overall pick and they drafted Evan Mobley. Uh, they signed Jarrett Allen to an extension. Laurie Markkinen came in a trade uh, from the Bulls. Uh, former Laker and dunk, dunk master Larry Nance Jr. is out. Uh, but Eric, so the Cleveland Cavaliers, what do you what do you see for them this year? Um, you know, are they going to finish higher, lower? Just you know, your general thoughts on them. I think they finish higher. Uh, Jared Allen's actually a very solid center, developed in Brooklyn. He's got a lot of potential. Um, Evan Mobley can learn from a guy like that. Uh, they added Ricky Rubio. Um, so he's in the 90 cent percentile of assists in the NBA as of recent seasons. And the Cavs have been in the bottom 10 in assists in the past few seasons. So their offense will get better. I do like Colin Sexton as well. He's a pretty fast, crafty point guard um, who can still grow and develop. So he can learn from Ricky Rubio. Um, from there, you kind of just you look at the wild card and Laurie Markinen. He's shown us he could be pretty crafty and a good player. Um, you know, they're willing to take the risk with him. So I think any, you know, it's going to be a better season for them. Um, I don't know if they'll make the playoffs, but they'll be a more interesting team. Yeah. The Cleveland Cavaliers over the last two decades have really gone through like four phases. We got LeBron. We lost LeBron. We got LeBron back again. And then we lost LeBron again. And when LeBron's there, the Cavs are good. When LeBron's not there, Cavs are trash. <laughs> that's just what they've done for like 20 years now. Um, you know, I do think that they should be better. They, Kevin Love is still there chugging away. Um, you know, I think Cleveland should be slightly better. Um, I like Colin Sexton too. I think he's had, you know, this will be his fourth year, I think in the league he'll have, I'm kind of expecting a big jump from him. This is probably the best team that he's played on. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if the NBA, I can't remember if they've, already declared that they're going to do the top six plus the play-in thing again. I think it's still in talks, but I think Cleveland could possibly sneak into that 10th seed if things go well. It's a stretch, but it would not surprise me all that much if they did. Um, moving on to a, kind of a surprise, a surprise team this far down in the uh, NBA or the Eastern Conference, the Toronto Raptors. 27 and 45. They were 12th in the East. Kyle Lowry is gone. He is down there in Miami with his big ass, just living it up with Jimmy <laughs> Butler and Bam Adebayo. Uh, <laughs> Gone Dragic does come into Toronto. Um, trade in. You hate the Maple Leafs. I don't think you hate the Raptors quite as much as you hate the Maple Leafs um, because you chose to talk about them. So thoughts on the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, um, I know that my uh, my family doesn't or my extended family doesn't listen to the podcast, but 
Um, they're Raptors fans because they're all from Canada. So I decided I'm going to pick them up. Um, this is a retooling year for this team. After a team, after a team that, you know, may, uh, won the won the championship and have kind of tried to regain that ever since Kawhi left, um, and then they lost um, Kyle Lowry, which I, you know is it, it, that's huge to lose um, a fan favorite and one of one of uh, a beloved. Um, Raptor, but they are returning three significant pieces that, um, you know, they're in their primes or they're starting to age out of it. Um, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, who's probably on the, on the, on the other end. And then OG Ananobi. Does that, is that how you pronounce it? Pretty close. Um, these guys are, these guys are high quality players. Um, and you know, the, Siakam had a major step backwards, but you know, he, he has the ability when healthy to, to be a, a game changer he needs to realize that he is the guy and needs to be the guy um i think that I, I don't know why but he needs to he needs to find his um his ability to score and be and be a, a commanding you know player on that on that floor van vliet's gonna take it sounds like he's gonna take over the backcourt who's you know he's very he's very versatile he's a good player this team is fairly solid defensively um, I mean, they're, I mean, offensively, they're, they're not too bad. They're probably lower of the spectrum, but defensively, they're a good team. And if they find their way to, uh, to, to find ways offensively, I think they're actually going to be a team that, you know, re- is retooling, but is going to show that they have, you know, there might be a few pieces um, away from you know, being a legit team that makes the playoffs. Uh, their bet, their bench is questionable. <laughs> I think that their, their depth is questionable, which is the biggest thing. Uh, you know, I, I, I know that I don't know much about basketball, but, um, I always talk, I always look at the bench and just see how, how they, you know, support their, their main guys. And this is a team that I don't think is going to be able to do that. So down the stretch, I just don't know if they're going to have enough to either make the playoffs or, or compete against those, you know, better teams in the division. And, and we have to be honest, the East is getting a lot stronger than it used to be even before, even when we started this podcast, you know, a year and a half ago. East is a lot stronger than, or at least it's incrementally stronger than it used to be. So um, it's going to be that much harder for them. Um, but retooling's good. Figure it out and set your guys set yourself up for the next couple of years. And I think that they're going to be just fine. Yeah, Toronto is one of the tougher teams to really decide or like kind of gauge on what they're going to be next year because um, Van Fleet and Siakam can carry this team. I just don't know if they will. Like, I don't – it's hard to explain. Like, they can do it maybe for stretches, but maybe not throughout the whole season. Um, You know, especially Siakam last year, very up and down. Um, You know, you're right. They kind of mortgaged their future, and they won a championship. So, good on them. They tried to keep Kyle Lowry. They probably should have traded him at the deadline last year. Um, You know, they ended up getting some guys back in, like, a sign-and-trade, but – I think they probably would have gotten more if they had tried to trade him to a contender at the deadline last year. Um, you know, I think they were trying to maybe hope for a playoff push after, like, let's be honest, a pretty disappointing season for the Toronto Raptors last year. Um, you're right. They're in a retooling. Um, yeah, and, and you're also right. The East is much better. You know, I feel like four years ago, a team like this could be fighting for, like, that eighth seed. Um, and, you know, with, like, an under 500 record and they get easily slept, swept by, you know, Boston or LeBron led Cleveland, but um, you're you're right. I don't. They could maybe scratch at a playoff spot if things go really right, but their depth is definitely going to going to be questioned. 
Uh, moving on to the team that finished 11th in the East, the Chicago Bulls. They were 31 and 41. They've had a very interesting offseason. Uh, DeMar DeRozan coming from San Antonio, Lonzo Ball, Derek Jones Jr., uh, Laurie Markinen is out, um, as we talked about earlier. Uh, so, James, the Chicago Bulls, what are, you, what are you seeing in them? Oh, dude, I'm seeing a lot of good things in their future here. I love all the offseason moves they made. Got Lonzo Ball in that sign and trade, signed a four-year, $85 million deal. Former Laker Alex Caruso, who honestly I thought was very overrated until I actually watched him play decently. And damn, the guy's got some game. Four-year, $37 million. He's going to be counted on a lot more than he was with the Lakers. I want to see if he can thrive in that position, and I really think he can. And then, like as you mentioned, DeMar DeRozan, three years, 85 mil. For a long time, the Chicago Bulls team was pretty much Zach Levine's team. It was Zach Levine and Laurie Markkinen. I mean, Laurie's gone, and Zach Levine was the only guy left there to kind of carry the load. But they had a major retooling of this offense. Got Lonzo, who's going to pass the ball. Zach Levine is going to push for the scoring title. Uh, sophomore forward Patrick Williams was the former fourth overall pick in the draft. He's developing nicely. He's not going to be a standout guy whatsoever, but he'll do what needs to be done in order for them to win. That's somebody you need on this kind of lineup. DeMar DeRozan is good for 25-plus a night. Like, you got scoring everywhere. And to top it all off, you got Nikola Vucevic, who came in at the trade deadline last season. He's a quality player. At the least, they're going to have two all-stars on this team. And with that, I think they're going to finish at least the seventh or eighth seed in the East. It's going to be a good year for them. It's going to be the best year they've had in a very long time. Yeah, I think the Bulls are a very popular pick to, you know, jump in the standings um, compared to where they finished in the previous season. Um, my only concern is none of the guys other than DeMar DeRozan have ever really proven themselves on a good team. Like, the rest of them have been very good players, but on shitty teams. Like Zach Levine's come from the Timberwolves, not a great team. They, he had a monster year last year, helped me win fantasy, didn't, you know, couldn't bring it in. Same with uh, uh, Nikola, same thing with Magic, terrible there, not great with the Bulls. Again, helped me win fantasy. Uh, Lonzo Ball, <laughs> terrible with the Lakers, went to the Pelicans, thought they were going to be better, didn't do it. That's my only worry, but I think also, and then on the other end, this is the best team all these guys have played on. So if they gel, I do think that they will, they'll be coming up to a, uh, you know, a seventh or eighth seed. Um, it will, you know, it's good when the Bulls are good, are, you know, it's good for basketball and the Bulls are good. So hopefully for Chicago fans, the Bulls are better this year than they were last year. Moving on to the number 10 team in the East. So they did sort of kind of make the playoffs uh, or they made the tournament to try to get into the playoffs. Uh, they did not win their one game. Uh, that is the Charlotte Hornets. They did finish 33-39, and 10th in the East. Uh, as we know, LaMelo Ball led team. Um, you know, they went through a lot of injuries. Um, traded for Mason Plumley from the lowly Detroit Pistons. So, Tyler, you wanted to talk about the Hornets. What do you see in them? What are you thinking? Uh, how's their season going to turn out? Yeah, I think this Hornets team is going to be fighting for one of those uh, final two playoff spots uh, all season. I think this team had a decent offseason. Um, I think that they added some pieces. They didn't wow anybody, but it's it's hard for a, a small market team to attract big names. It's just really not going to happen. So they kind of got to, you know, work with what they have. Um, they also signed uh, Ish Smith and Kelly uh, Oubre. Um, again, both signings that are kind of eh, 
but I think add some veteran depth to the lineup to a team that's got a, a lot of young a lot of young stars coming up. Um, so we'll see. Um, their second round pick, JT Thor, one of the coolest names I think ever. Um, so we'll see how he does. I think a lot of these young rookies uh, played very well in the summer league. Obviously, summer league versus NBA completely different, but uh, I think there's a lot of good young talent coming up through that system. Um, as you mentioned, they uh, signed uh, Plumley. Um, they also uh, signed Terry uh, Roser to a, a four-year extension, which I think is huge for that team. Um, so I think, again, I think this team's going to be fighting for one of those uh, bottom spots. By no means are they even close to contending for an Eastern Conference championship, but I think that they will be a borderline playoff team in uh, for this season. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think, um, you know, them moving into maybe like seven, eight seed is sort of their, their ceiling um, and their floor is about the 10 seed. Um, you know, they still have Gordon Hayward and Devonte Graham, um, but they have good pieces. Um, you know, Hayward just can never stay healthy. You know, LaMelo Ball was hurt for a good portion of the season last year. You know, he's kind of the fire engine that, that runs that team. So hopefully he can stay healthy. And if anything, that we've learned is watch their games because their announcers are fucking awesome. Don't know what their names are, so I can't give them shout outs, but Eric likes to send us videos because they scream constantly during their like highlight plays and the announcers are so good. So if anything, just watch them for that because the announcers are great. Um, moving on to the last team that uh, finished ninth in the East, sort of similar to the Toronto Raptors, a little bit of a disappointing finish, I think for the Indiana Pacers. They finished 34 and 38. Um, you know, they also, same thing, went through a lot of injuries. Um, Torrey Craig, Chris Duarte is their 13th overall pick. They'll probably get TJ Warren back. They missed the entirety of the season. Uh, Doug McDermott is really kind of their only guy that left. Uh, James, as again, being the only one that sort of read the uh, text, <laughs> the second team. Uh, James, what do you think about the Pacers moving forward? I think this is for sure going to be a much better year. Like you had mentioned, they underperformed, but the underperformance wasn't really due to them being a bad team. It was due mostly to injury. And you see that with TJ Warren, like you had mentioned, been out for the entire season, and they traded for Karis LeVert, who upon getting to Indiana, they found he had a tumor. And those are two, you lost all the depot because of that, and that's a big scoring option. So from that point forward, you're just left with three guys, and you had two people filling in left and right. They brought back Rick Kyle as the head coach, who was the coach back in the day for the Pacers. He's a good coach overall. This starting five is going to be super high scoring. You got Malcolm Brogdon who can bring the ball up. Karis LeVert can score at will. TJ Warren can score at will. Sabonis is going to be an all-star, no doubt. And then you have a potential defensive player in the year, Miles Turner. This team from top to bottom is decent all the way through. Good offense, good defense. I expect them to do way better than they did last season. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, same thing. This Pacers team definitely underperformed due to injury. And, you you know, the Karis LeVert thing, pretty brutal. Um, you know, but could have been a very, you know, is a good thing for Karis because the trade, you know, you get physicals when you get traded. And they found this mass on his, or this tumor. Uh, so, you know, it actually kind of, kind of was a good thing. But I, I do think this Indiana Pacers team, assuming they're going to be healthy, should be much better. You know, I kind of predicted that they would have been like a top, maybe like a four or five seed in the East last year. And they obviously finished ninth. Um, I, I, out of the ones we've talked about so far, this feels like the best team out of this group. Um, definitely ones that could, you know, probably jump the highest. Um, 
So that's pretty much it. Next week, boys, we'll do the top eight. There's four of you. That means you're each going to pick two teams. Got, Got it. it. You guys, Got are, do- it. You guys oh, are doing so great. Sorry, I'm really man. proud of you. So sorry, man. <laughs> all good. Uh, James, that is all I've got. Cool. Ten bucks says Eric will still pick one team. I guarantee it. So I'll next team or next week, twenty bucks. Twenty bucks. Make it forty. <laughs> Eighty. Eighty sounds great. Uh, so instead of the shit teams, we got the good teams. What's the opposite of shit? Anybody? Food, because food. food. Yeah, like the food, food, perfect. Food it is. <laughs> and leading into that, we have Eric, who is going to be up next after our break, who's going to talk about food challenges. See you in a little bit. With health concerns on the rise, it's as important as ever to keep your people safe. Dimer isn't another BS COVID company. They've been developing their tech to kill germs and save lives since 2014. Dimer's original UBC products have won them partnerships with some of the best technology companies in the country and earn them a spot on Time Magazine's Best Inventions of 2020. Dimer started out disinfecting airplanes. Now they're in hospitals, athletic facilities, hotels, classrooms, basically anywhere people might've been sick. When it comes to keeping your players, employees, guests, and customers in your facility safe, trust Dimer. For TLDR listeners, they are offering free disinfection as a service in select areas. So that means they will come disinfect your facility for free. You can take them up on this offer by visiting dimeruv.com and at dimeruv on social media. Use code TLDR for your first disinfection as a service appointment for free. That's dimer like diner with an M as in Mike Trout. Ever heard of them? Kill more germs, prevent more infections, save more lives. D-I-M-E-R-U-V dot com. Welcome back, everybody. If Tyler listens to this before uh, he does the editing, I think you just listened to Eric talk about Dimer. So I hope you enjoyed Dimer. And if you need your facility cleaned, once again, contact Dimer. We get money for it, so that's cool. Uh, Eric is going to do another food segment. It's been a very long time since he's done that, actually. Not a thing about it. It's probably been about a year since he's done a food segment. But I'm glad he's back at it. Really excited for it. This week, we're making food challenges. Eric, it's all you. Yeah, you know, it has been a while since I've talked about food. I I want to get right into it because Alex and Tyler know there's a place. It's called Madison Bear Garden. Um they have a food challenge, and this is called Aaron's Passing Fancy. Uh, this weekend, though, Aaron Rodgers passed like dog shit. But <laughs> the challenge itself is after Aaron Rodgers because he is from Chico. Um, so Aaron's Passing Fancy is a food challenge that is a pound and a half burger, a half pound of brats, a pound of cheese fries, and a six-pack of Miller Lite. Um, the burger is – literally a pound and a half because it has like five onion rings stacked on it. Um, and it just looks extremely impossible to even take bites of. You almost just have to just open it up and eat it piece by piece. Um, shouts out to Brian Baggett for completing this. He completed it in 10 minutes and 12 seconds and set a record. Um, most people just don't even finish it. He did it in 10 minutes, which is pretty insane. Um, but getting right into it, I'm going to kind of go around around the clock here. 
um, and have everyone kind of describe a create your own food challenge, what it is, what it's called, what the reward would be, um, et cetera. I'm going to start with myself. Um, so I'm going a triple decker stacked club sandwich, um, triple decker, meaning three pieces of bread, of course, toasted. Um, I got a box combo, which is four strips, fries, and one Texas toast. So there's another piece of bread added in. Um, and then one other thing, just a smoothie. The smoothie will, smoothie will have berries, cherries, chocolate protein powder, a handful of greens, peanut butter, and four shots of Tito's vodka. Um, so it's somewhat healthy, you know, but you get, there's, you get your little mix of alcohol in with it. Um, I'm going to call it the stud club. That's going to be the name of the challenge. And the reward will be a free side and a beer for the rest of the year. Um, and there's no time limit. All you got to do is complete it. So in other words, you can do it once a year and every time you do it, you're just going to get free side and beer for that whole year. Every time you come back, um, Tyler, I see your wheels are spinning. What do you got? Yeah. So I kept mine pretty simple. Um, you know, one of the, one of the foods I like to make a lot of pancakes, um, so I, I, I love making pancakes. I made some this weekend at the cabin. Alex, you can vouch for me. They're delicious. They were very um, good. Yeah. Um, so I thought to do kind of a, a fun pancake challenge, but I'm going to call it the hot cake challenge. All right. You know, hot cakes are a, a nickname for pancakes, but I'm put a little bit twist on it. So basically you just make giant pancakes, like pan size pancakes, giant pancakes. And then you drizzle a bunch of hot sauce on it. All right. And you can decide like how many pancakes you need to be for the competition. You can do four three, whatever, have, you know, however many friends you got, it will, it's one, it's, a, it's it, it, it can be one-on-one. You got four people going at the same time and whoever can finish all the pancakes first is the winner. And what, kind of be you on? On. what? What kind of hot sauce are you putting on there? Well, I mean, Sriracha. whatever you want. <laughs> I might actually, I be, I'm, not, I'm not a big hot sauce guy. So I would probably need some input on what hot sauce would be appropriate. Ketchup for is spicy. Ghost pepper yeah. sauce. You'd love so, it. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, I, I think that'd be kind of a fun one to do. Yeah. I like that one, Tyler. I like the spin off with the hot cakes. Um, yeah. It sounds like a habanero sauce would be a good pick with that or some sriracha. Um, Alex, what do you got? Yeah. Uh, mine's a lot tougher than what you guys uh, went for. Also uh, probably more expensive. So <laughs> I'm calling mine the African 10,000. It is, you have to eat five ostrich eggs. <laughs> it's called the African 10,000 because one ostrich egg is 2,000 calories itself. So 10,000 <laughs> calories, five eggs. You can cook them or have them prepared however you'd like. You have one hour to complete it. If you fail, it's 150 bucks because each egg costs 30 bucks. If you win, you get a ride at ostrich. <laughs> yeah. yeah five yeah. Days, oh my ten thousand that's that's one. insane wow yeah man. i mean the ostrich eggs are like they look like raptor eggs from jurassic park like those things yeah, are giant huge. like you could throw, throw one at someone's head and give them a concussion probably um that is great um, and it, that's, um, it's lining something up that I'm going to say at the end of this segment that we, that may be what we have to go with, but I'll tell you why when we get to the end, um, James, what do you got? Okay. 
So you guys know what Tabata is, like the workout? Yes. It's like 20 seconds on. A lot of bread. Rest. Yeah, baby. Yeah, so I'm kind of modeling this after that, but I'm calling it the David Bakhtiari Challenge. Uh, do you guys know David Bakhtiari? He is the tackle for the Green Bay Packers. Most often you see him at sporting events, chugging a beer in two seconds. The guy's crazy good. Chugs beer so fast. So here is the work. I mean, not the workout, the uh, challenge, the food challenge. There's going to be eight rounds. You have 20 seconds to drink one beer, followed up by eating 10 chicken wings for eight rounds. If you can survive that, you get Packers tickets given by David Bhattiari himself. At the 50-yard line, first row. So what you're doing, you're going to have to drink eight beers in 160 seconds and eat 80 chicken wings. If you can do that, you get Packers tickets. I think it's phenomenal. I like that. Yeah, that is solid. Wait, so... You- you drink a beer every 20 seconds? Is that what you just you said? You drink a beer in, 10, in 20 seconds. So you have 20 oh. seconds to drink one beer. Then you eat 10 chicken wings. from wings You wash, to- but there's no time limit on the wings, right? But at each... <laughs> <I'm> gonna- <laughs> How, what is there to be confused about? Is anybody else confused? So you just eat 10 wings, that's it? Yeah. But you keep drinking the beers? But then you go, no, you do... So one round is 20 seconds to drink one beer oh, okay, and okay, 10 okay. chicken wings from Wingstop. Lemon pepper. I know for Tyler that's super spicy, but that's fine. <laughs> Eight rounds of that, and you're all good. Can you use a sauce? It's a dry rub, but yeah. No, yeah, you, you can can't use, dip it in anything else. You can only dip it in ranch, and <laughs> you got to wash it down with ranch, <laughs> like Joey Chestnut. Only ketchup. All right. Okay. Um, that's one of the more challenging ones for sure. You get a little bloated with the beer. Um, trade in. Last but not least, what do we got? Okay, so mine's a little bit more uh, elaborate, and Alex won't give a shit about this one, but I wanted to bring in some sports. So it's going to be called the Give Me a Burger, or you can substitute burger with beer, golf challenge. (laughs) Here's how how it goes. You're trying to go, you're trying to score par on, like, this is an opportunity for, for us shitty golfers to get par, okay? You have the option, and every single shot, to either you either do it with beer or do it with a burger to either eat a burger or drink a beer and you and whatever shot that is you get the best up op- like you, you you would get like let's say if it's a tee shot you get a 280 280 yard drive right off the tee in the middle of the fairway that's your shot instead of taking the shot you take a, you, you eat a burger or drink a beer you can do that for putts you can do that for chips you can do that for whatever the key is you're trying to get par on the course or wherever you're at if you throw up you lose the, ch- the winner, like the, 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 uh, the big thing is if you get par, you get par, like, no, you're never, ever, we're never, ever going to get an opportunity to get par on any of your course guys. This is your opportunity to get par simply by being able to eat or drink your, your way out of it. Um, and if you throw up or if you pass out from drinking too much, cause let's say, let's be honest, you're probably going to take a beer, a whole, right. You're probably, or take a burger, a whole, you're going to throw up or you're going to pass out. Or you know you're not gonna get you're not gonna complete the challenge. So that that's it. That's that's the challenge. Damn, that's so is that what we're gonna do on your birthday this weekend? No, no. <laughs> well actually maybe we should make you do it because it's your birthday. No. Um yeah, that is great. I you, you sparked my mind, like maybe like the next big major golf tournament on a Sunday, we should do something like that. Like we'll pick a golfer and like every time we'll, we'll come up with some criteria, but um, the last, those are all great, 
challenges. The last thing I was going to say is maybe we come up, we all vote. Um, the loser of fantasy this year will have to do one of these challenges. If we can find an ostrich farm, Alex, I know there's one in um, <laughs> there's, there's one in uh, Solvang near Santa Barbara, um, I believe. I, there yeah, there's an ostrich there farm. Yeah. yeah, ostrich USA. Um, I don't know why and how I knew that, but um, okay. yeah, you know, whatever challenge that we all vote on, maybe the loser, hopefully it's not me, a fantasy this year that comes in dead last, will um, we'll have to do that. I guess out of our group, unless we make uh, whoever Denorf remember is this year, James. He won That's last it. year, but he he scored forty nine points this week. Congratulations. Um, That's it. Yeah, he didn't make he didn't break the fifty club. But anyways, yeah, loser. I guess we'll come up with um, whoever has to do the challenge. We decide um, coming soon, guys. So. That's pretty much all I got this week. Um, thank you guys for your creativity and your challenge uh, goals. Oh, I liked it. I honestly, I love all you guys's, but Alex's was one of the most <laughs> out of the world funniest. I've never even thought of that before in my life. That's hilarious. That's Props you. to you, Alex. That's <laughs> funny shit, man. African 10,000. I love it. <laughs> uh, all right, guys, we're going to take another quick break, but when we return, our last segment of the night. Tyler and his MLB O-Dams. Welcome back, everybody. Last segment of the night. Thank you for sticking with us. I know it was a long one, but it's been great so far. And Tyler's going to keep that train rolling with his MLB O-Dams. Oh, damn. We're getting down to the final three weeks of the season, guys. Um, it's crunch time. Uh, there's a lot of uh, playoff spots left to, to for teams to grab. Uh, a lot of tight races. And the first one I'm going to talk about is the American League wildcard race. Uh, entering today, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays have the first wildcard spot. They are tied with the Boston Red Sox, who have the second. Uh, New York Yankees, who are the biggest roller coaster of a team I've ever seen. Uh, are currently out of the playoff spot. They're one game back. And then Oakland and Seattle, two teams from the West Western Western Division, are both three games back. So you got five teams battling out for five while for for five teams battling for two spots. Um, so Eric, obviously, you know, kind of seeing those those names there. Is this just a battle of the AL East rivals, you know, Toronto, Boston, and New York? Or do the A's and Mariners deserve to be in the conversation there? And then which two teams make it? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say the Oakland A's of all of those teams would deserve it the most. Like, they've been the team over the past, like, four or five seasons that just continue to, like, stay there, remain there, and play well. But, you know, they're they're on the outside looking in by three games. I think it's going to be Blue Jays and Yankees that make it. Um, here's why. The Blue Jays have become hot, and they have been pummeling the ball lately, as we've seen. Uh, 10 of their final 19 games that remain are against the Orioles and the Twins, basically the two worst teams in the league, as we've talked about in the past. Um, so basically they just got to play decent and they could at least make this one, one game wild card. For the Yankees, they went on their hot streak. Uh, they began to shit it away once they lost two out of three to the Angels a couple weeks ago. But they basically control their own fate because they play the Red Sox three more times this year. They're only half a game behind the Red Sox, and I just feel like 
Um, th- that's actually going to be really interesting to watch whenever that series is. I actually really want to watch those games now. And, um, you know, it's like they control their own fate. And I think they had a disappointing season last year. And, uh, you know, I just think I hope it's the Blue Jays and and that they that they beat the Yankees in the wild card game. I think that's a pretty solid pick right there. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be so close. Um, I agree with you. I, I honestly don't know how Seattle is in the mix this late, uh, but good for them. But I just don't think that they're, they're definitely the lesser of those five teams. I don't see them making it um, at all. Um, Oakland should be in that mix. They, they, they definitely should. Um, they're just not playing. Their, their second half has been absolute shit. Um, their bullpen is horrible. Uh, their starting pitching has been banged up. Uh, apparently freaking LA fire department agrees with me. They're trying to go put out that fire. <laughs> um, so then you got, you know, I, so I, I kind of think it's going to be those AL East teams really battling out and it's going to make some for some really fun games, uh, some really fun series here down the stretch. Cause those teams will be playing each other a lot. So Eric, I agree with you. That's, that, that, that's going to be much watch baseball between Toronto, Boston and New York. Um, I'm going to go just because I want it so bad, Boston and New York. Um, I just want to see that Boston, New York, one game wild card game. I think it'd be awesome. Uh, so hopefully that happens. Uh, moving on to the other very close uh, battle right now is the NL West. Uh, the Giants and the Dodgers uh, entering today. The Giants have a two and a half game lead over the Dodgers. Unfortunately, uh, the season series between these two teams is over. Um, but it was a great season series. Uh, the, the Giants won the season ser- series 10 to 9. So in 19 games, these, this team was, was separated by, by one game. Obviously, they went into last weekend series or, two, or two, week, two weekends ago, whenever that was, um, tied for the division. The Giants ended up winning two or three and, and, and ended up winning the, the season series. Um, pretty phenomenal. I think it's awesome that those two rivals are battling out for the division. As I mentioned, we got about three weeks left. But let's talk about kind of this Dodgers-Giants rivalry for a little bit here, Alex. Um, just what's your favorite – moment from this season's games um and then do you think that this is the best era of the Dodgers and Giants man I don't know if I have like a favorite moment that I can think of off the like because they they played so much at the beginning of the season and then like just played most recently um and for best era probably I mean honestly probably not like the Dodgers have been very good and they're still really good. The Giants have been like kind of iffy for the last couple of years and are surprisingly very good this year. But maybe like the Barry Bonds years when just Dodgers fans and Giants fans just really, really did not like each other were probably like the ultimate, you know, people like throwing syringes onto the field at Dodger Stadium at Barry Bonds. Like it got pretty heated uh, and like, they were both good at that time, you know, and, and like we're sustainably both good at that time. So I think that like, at least in my lifetime feels kind of like the best era, but hopefully these two teams meet up in the playoffs this year. And I've never seen that happen. So just as you were saying, Red Sox Yankees, hopefully the Dodgers and the Giants will meet up in the playoffs this year. And then maybe that will change my mind. Unfortunately, because they play in the same division, like the earliest they could meet up, where like the only time they could possibly meet up is the NLDS since one of these teams is probably going to end up with the best record in baseball. Um, you know, maybe the Brewers end up having the best record and somehow the Dodgers and Giants meet up in the NLCS. That'd be super cool. But 
Um, I don't know. There were it was a great season. A lot of shit calls for both teams. Like, but uh, I, I don't know. I hopefully if they meet in the playoffs this year, this will be the best. But it's not quite there yet. Yeah, I agree. It's it's definitely it's been a surprise. I you know no, no one expected this from the Giants, and it's made it great. I think having that rivalry, those two teams battle it out, is super fun to watch. I'm just super bummed that we're not getting another series at the end of the season. And usually that is the case. Usually they meet up at some point and during the last week of the season which would have been awesome. I really wish we had that series a couple weeks ago, like that be the final uh, series of the season, them being tied, like going to the final series and even to the last game, like that would have been so cool to watch. So unfortunately uh, we were, we're, 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 we're not going to get that, but uh, last question for you, Alex, like, do you see, do you think the, that this division, I don't, I mean, obviously it's not for sure, but with the way the giants are going and kind of with the schedule that both teams have, do you see the Dodgers overtaking the giants uh, for the, for the division, or do you think the Giants are going to upset the whole baseball world and take the NL West title? I, I mean, in my heart, I want to say the Dodgers can do it, but looking at the schedule and looking, the Giants play the Padres 10 times over their final 19 games. The Padres have just decided they don't know how to play baseball anymore. It was great for Alex because if we all remember, I made a bet with James before the season started that the Dodgers would finish 10 games above the Padres. It could change, but they're currently 16 games up. No. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah. They're currently 16 games up. Um, And the Padres have just – they've been floundering. Um, You know, the Dodgers play the Padres one more time. Um, Pretty much the best team, unfortunately for Dodgers fans and fortunately for Giants fans, the Dodgers, their very last series of the year is against the Milwaukee Brewers, um, who are the best, you know, the other best team in the National League. Um, and if it comes down to it, the Brewers will have their division locked up by then, but they might be fighting for playoff seating. Um, you know, and it feels like the Dodgers Giants is going to go all the way down. Um, and then the best team the Do- Giants play the rest of the way is the Atlanta Braves. Um, and they're like, eh. You know, there's, they've been playing much better as of late, but they're nothing compared to what the Brewers are in that pitching staff. So I think the Dodgers can do it, but the Giants just – they just seem to keep winning. Still don't really understand how they do it, but they just keep winning. Their pitching isn't that great. Their relief pitching isn't that great, but the guys are hitting, and, you know, they're just, they're just keep chugging along. So um, in my heart, I want to say no. Obviously, the Dodgers will catch them but trying to be an unbiased sports fan, I actually don't think they will. Yeah. Unfortunately I do agree with you. Uh, it's just, it's unbelievable what the giants are doing. I just have to tip my cap to them as much. As I hate to do that. I mean, they have deserved where they're, where, where they are. It's definitely nothing. I mean, the Dodgers are playing very good baseball. The giants are playing that much better, which really is just astounding. It really is probably one of the greatest, like unpre- unpredicted winning seasons I think I've ever seen from a baseball team. Um, it's pretty, pretty incredible. Um, so moving on to my third, oh, damn, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Let's talk about this guy. Um, he has a chance. He is in the running to do something that is very rarely ever done. And that's when a triple crown for, for those of you that aren't familiar, that's leading the league in home runs, RBIs and batting average. Um, it's only been done 12 times in, in, in MLB history. The last time it was done was by Miguel Cabrera in 2012 which is a reminder for how incredible that season was in the 2012 season. Uh, Miguel Cabrera hit 44 home runs, drove in 139 runs and hit 330. I mean, that dude was just an absolute monster. Um, 
before that, the last one was in 1967 by Carl Yastrzemski. Yes, yes, um, so it, this doesn't happen very often. So it's pretty cool that there's a guy that's in the running to do it. Now, currently entering Monday, uh, Vlad is second in batting average at 319. Starting Marte of the A's is in first at 322. So th- those, that's pretty close. That could definitely change. Uh, he actually, t- or tonight, he overtook uh, Shohei Otani for the home run lead. So he now has 45. So he is first in, in, in home runs. And he's currently third in RBIs with 102. That might have changed with that home run. Um, so he might be in sole p- 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 possession of third. Uh, Salvador, Salvador Perez has 105 and Jose Abreu has 107. Uh, so he's within about four or five RBIs um, of, of, of first place. All of these stats, all the ones that he's not currently in first place, definitely doable with uh, three weeks left in the season. So that's a triple crown uh, to watch. So James, question for you. Uh, I know Shohei is your boy, but would you want to see Vlad win that home run title for a chance to win his history? Yes, absolutely. And like, I'm an Angels fan, but dude, this is history being made by somebody who deserves it. He worked really hard his craft this offseason. Like he went from being the guy who just hit homers to now having a batting average that's very good. The one thing that I don't really have the most confidence in in him winning is the RBI part of it because there's so much variability in it. Um, if he hit a home run every single time went up to bat, that's the only one RBI if nobody else is on base. So he's reliant on his team to get on base before he comes up to hit. And he's currently hitting number three in the batting order, which is great because they have like George Springer and Teosco Hernandez up at the one and two who usually get on base. But if they don't, you're struggling now because now you have to wait on your team to get on base for you to rack up those RBI numbers. He's only four away from being in first. That may not seem like a lot. He could probably get that in one game if he get if the Blue Jays keep doing what they're doing, what he's doing, if he's doing what he's doing. But that's the part that has the most variability. That's the part that I'm not the most confident in. Batting average, I think he'll fly by. I think he's going to do fine on that. He's currently second. He'll be in first soon. Home runs, love show to death, like you said. But Vladdy, he's just powering out like crazy. And he plays – he'll play more than Shohei does. So he's going to have to take a day off eventually. And yeah, it's just the run, the RBIs that I'm a little iffy about, but if you can get that, I'm seriously really rooting for him to get that triple crown. Yeah. I think it'd be super great to see. Um, I agree with you. I think the RBIs is going to be the toughest, but he can definitely do it. I think, especially with the way this blue Jays team has been playing, they've, they've been hitting very, very well. I think he'll have a lot of RBI um, opportunities. I think also with the team being in the hunt for that wild card, they're going to want to play well. So he's, she should have a lot of, of opportunities to drive runs in. Of course, you know, uh, uh, Salvador Perez is having an incredible season. Um, and then Jose Abreu is, you know, he's the former MVP. That's going to be a tough one to, uh, to kind of follow up on, but um, it, it can definitely happen. So Keep an eye on that. Uh, that's a really cool individual thing to watch there down the stretch. Hopefully he makes it happen. Uh, so my final, oh, damn, this is a little bit of, we did a, a trade and I did a last minute uh, segment change here. So originally I was going to talk about the Indians being no hit for the third time in a, uh, this season, which is an MLB record. Um, but that was kind of before the ending of the uh, Sunday night baseball game, which got a little chippy uh, between the Yankees and the Mets. Um, classics of the classic uh, subway series. Uh, of course, 9-11 was on Saturday and then they had you know, a great ceremony with, with the two New York teams there. And it was very friendly, very great. Next day, not so much. Got, it, it got really heated. So here's kind of what happened. Uh, Francisco Lindor of the Mets, he went off last night. He hit three home runs 
including the game winner in a seven to six win for the Mets. Um, during his second home run off Yankees reliever, Wandy Peralta, Lindor made a whistling gesture towards the Yankees dugout. Um, now this is because the Mets thought that Peralta on the game on Saturday was whistling in from the dugout to the Yankees uh, uh, batters to give to, because they thought that Mets pitcher Tywin Walker was tipping his pitches. So basically showing you was going to throw a fastball off speed or whatever. And, and uh, Peralta was aiding the Yankees uh, batters in, in, in helping them understand that. And in that inning, the Yankees scored five runs. So be that was it may, you can kind of decide what you want on that. But basically, you know, the Mets got word of this. Lindor was very upset about it. So Lindor goes off with their home runs. And the second one he hit, he made that whistling gesture. After that, uh, Giancarlo Stanton uh, tied the game up in the seventh inning with a two-run home run of his own. And as he was rounding second, exchanged some words with Lindor and Javier Baez. He actually, like, slowed down his trot and turned around and started chirping at him. Um, Both benches cleared. No punches thrown or anything like that. But it got a little heated there. Um, so obviously one side is, is, is blaming one side for cheating. The other one's like, we didn't do anything like you guys need to calm down. Uh, of course the Yankees deny it. And of course the Mets think something was up. Um, but trading kind of, what are your thoughts on this? Like, do you think the Yankees did attempt to, you know, kind of not necessarily seal signs, but maybe aid their hitters because they saw that Walker was tipping his pitches. Um, or was this just all one big giant misunderstanding? Oh, they, that, dude, that's that's your starting pitcher. That guy, that guy is picking up on what's going on, and I love it. I mean, look, you look at you look through the comments, and Mets fans are literally trying to come to compare this to the Astros, the Astros. Uh, stealing scandal. Like it's not even no. in the same fucking ballpark. This is old school baseball, and I'm not an old. I don't. I'm I'm a much baseball. This is old school, baby. Like this is what it should be all about. If if your starting pitcher can pick it up, and he's gonna aid your your offense in, in getting it done. Fucking who cares? Fucking let let them play. I mean, look, like that's that's that, that's what you guys are trying. In terms of stealing, instead of st- uh, stealing signs, and you you brought this up, you know, way back when. Th- that's the nature of the game. Like you're trying to figure out what what is gonna be is what is gonna be coming, and and um, as long as you don't do it with like electronics and and the way that the that the uh, fucking stupid ass Astros did it. I have no problem with it. They have, I mean, come on. They absolutely, the, the, the starting pitcher picked it up and he's helping his team out and he wasn't too subtle about it. And it's fucking hilarious. And it definitely, uh, you know, Francisco Lindor definitely took it personal. You know, he definitely, uh, he, he used that, he used that phrasing to, uh, to, um, um, to quote MJ in his, uh, in his um, uh, documentary. Um and I, I, yeah, uh, to answer your question easily, yeah, that they definitely <laughs> were trying to give give an edge to it, and I, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, I, I think all of this is great. Um, obviously, not even close to what the Astros did. This is not what it is all. This is what we. I think we talked about this a little bit before, like what the difference between what the Astros did versus just normal sign stealing. Sign stealing has been going on for a long time, and there's quote unquote, fair sign stealing versus what the Astros did. Like the Astros had an actual system in place, live feed, all that stuff versus doing it in the game. If the pitcher is, yeah. Versus if the pitcher is doing something that's tipping his pitches, whether, whether that's, you know, doing something with his glove or doing something with his hand, that's different on an off speed. You can pick those things up during a course of a game. Or if you know, you're on second base and you can kind of peer into the catcher signs, you know, that's kind of frowned upon, but it's technically part of the game. Right. And so, I, if the Yankees were able to do that, that's fair game. Like if, if the Mets, if, if Tywin Walker is doing something that is tipping his pitch, 
and the and the and the uh, Yankees are catching up on that and reading that that information to to their batters. You know, I don't have a really I don't have a big issue with that, um, and I don't have an issue with Lindor. You know, go, going back to the Yankees dugout and whistling at them and you know creating this whole. I think that's awesome. You need you know, it. the yeah the, the 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 two New York teams on Sunday Night Baseball having this kind of kind of this, yeah. um, this matchup. I think it's awesome. Um, so I loved all of it. Um, whether or not you know Juan de Peralta was purposely tipping pitches or not. We may never know. Obviously, the, of, of course, the Yankees are going to deny it. And of course, the Mets fans and the Mets are going to say, yes, he did. But that's what makes it great. You know, I think we'll never know. And it's just kind of what side you take. That's fine. Either way, as a baseball fan, it's great entertainment. Um, and it was great. So it, it was great entertainment. I will. I would like to will say this to the team, to both teams. You guys are talking a lot of shit and uh, and and, you know, worrying a lot about some scandal and whatever. You guys might want to like worry about the baseball because both of yeah. you guys aren't looking too pretty right now yeah. so, <laughs> a good, uh, I mean, Lindor finally did something which was great yeah, but yeah. it's about time like maybe you should have had that fire in your belly this entire season sure. um, but hey I loved it uh, I loved reading about it I was really trying to I, I thought you were giving me something that was a lot more of a it was not that it was a nothing burger but it was a nothing burger like it wasn't that big of a deal it was just very exciting but i thought that there was actual like shit going down and there was like this is no shit this is just fun this is just baseball yeah. all good stuff uh james that's all i got for baseball this week as i said uh we're hent- we're coming into the final 3 weeks of the season and then it's october baseball which is one of the most fun sporting events to watch so uh get ready boys buckle in it's going to be a fun final few weeks it really will be. I haven't really watched baseball recently because I just watched the Angels and the Angels suck. <laughs> so fun fact for everybody else out there who lives in Anaheim or LA, Angels tickets are now $3. So we load a lot of Angels <laughs> games. Nice and cheap. Jeez. But once October rolls around, I'm very excited for playoff baseball and I'm excited for the segments that Tyler is going to bring to us. I'm ready for it. And that pretty much concludes our episode, episode 64. Thank you for listening. I'm going to put Eric here. And if you liked it, send it to your friends. If you didn't like it, also send it to your friends so you can talk shit about it together. It'd be all good, all fun. Give us some publicity because all publicity is good publicity, right? Hopefully. Anyway, hope you guys have a great week and we'll see you next week. Peace.